Hi everyone, quick intro for me today before we get started. Welcome back to another episode of College Confrontational. I'm your host, Gabriela Turdecos, and today we're sitting down with Annie Wang, who is the co-founder, chief product officer, and creative director of Her Campus Media, a company that she started back in 2009 with two other college friends while she was still in college. So she'll be talking today about her journey in creating this company during college, the highs and lows that they faced, the decisions that she had to make, regarding the future of her education and the future of her campus media, as well as giving some advice to any future entrepreneurs out there looking to start a company either during college, after college, or any time before that. Um, So I hope you enjoy and hopefully learn something new just like I did. And as usual, you can find us on Instagram at college underscore confrontational or go to collegeconfrontational.com for more information. Thanks and I hope you enjoy the episode. Hello everyone, welcome back to College Confrontational. Today I've brought on a actual former classmate of mine of sorts. I don't know if we were technically <laughs> classmates. We took a summer program together um, back in 2017. You were, I believe, finishing your degree at Harvard and I was just trying to get some college credits in. So I yes. remember hearing your story about starting her campus and it was really inspiring just as someone who's preparing to enter college to know that You had so many opportunities available to you to pursue Mm -hmm. whatever you wanted to pursue. Um, But now with starting College Confrontational, for example, it's taken on a whole new meaning because, you know, starting an endeavor that isn't necessarily conventional, you know, a lot of college students will embark on their own entrepreneurial projects. And it's a very scary thing to embark on. So I'm really excited to learn about what insight you have. Can you talk a little bit about what your what you went into college thinking. I know that you were briefly exposed to Freeze Magazine through doing their website, but um, what did you major in and um, what did you kind of see yourself doing prior to getting involved with all of that? Yeah, great question. I'm really happy to be here and so funny that we reconnected. Um, So uh, excited to chat with your audience. Um, Yeah, so I entered um, Harvard College, my alma mater, not really with a super clear sense of what I wanted to do afterwards. I think I saw college as an opportunity to learn a lot and explore a variety of topics and, you know, potentially have some of those lead to a future career, but I wasn't really necessarily married to that. The nice thing about Harvard was that we had a curriculum that allowed us to, or actually required us to look beyond just our major and and take courses from a couple different areas that were not related to our major in any way. And I think through that, I was able to learn um, so much and so many different things. And, you know, uh, I think it exposed me to this idea that you can learn really valuable lessons from anywhere and kind of incorporate those into who you are and bring them wherever you go. Um, And I kind of took the same approach that way for my major as well. So I ended up majoring in, um, in Harvard's terms, it's called visual and environmental studies, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense necessarily on the surface outside, but essentially it was a studio arts major. And I was specifically, uh, my concentration within that was animation. So, you know, I definitely didn't intend to coming out of that become like an animator or necessarily an artist in kind of the classic sense of the word. So I think I, you know, from the beginning kind of knew that my major was going to be a part of who I was, but it wasn't necessarily going to lead directly to a career path. 
That said, I think it was amazing training for me in helping me develop as a creative individual, as someone who, you know, now I do a lot of, I'm an entrepreneur, so I create things, right? And, you you know, creating something out of nothing is basically what artists do. And so through the course of working on my various projects, animations, things like that, I really learned how to project manage, how to create timelines for myself, really pull together different resources and just take something from an idea to a reality, from nothing to something. And that has obviously benefited me now as an entrepreneur. So yeah, so I think, um, you know, college was a great experience for me. It wasn't necessarily, you know, go to college to find to directly lead to your job. Although for many of my classmates, it was that for me, it was soaking up all that I could and knowing that I was learning skills that I would take with me no matter where I ended up. I love that. Yeah, I have found that as well. I came into college thinking I would, I didn't really know what I was going to do, but I thought I would just go into a film career. Um, But Mm -hmm. just being exposed to all these different classes and all these different ways of thinking has led me to take on just new projects that I never thought I would take on and be part of clubs and organizations that just kind of explore Uh things like that. So it's definitely, especially with creativity, you know, you can't really learn to be creative. You kind of have to find inspiration in the rest of the world. So yeah, but at what point, I know you started with um, Freeze Magazine, but at what point Mm -hmm. did her campus get into the picture and start becoming very serious? Yeah, so I can kind of tell the story of how I got started. So it actually starts from funny enough, before I was in college, it was the summer before my freshman year at Harvard, kind of leading up to that moment, I had been doing a lot of personal graphic design and web design, something I learned on my own in my off time during, you know, throughout high school, and I was creating my own websites and things like that. And I had listed web design as one of my interests on Facebook. And at the time there was, you know, that interest section on Facebook was like kind of a big deal. I know it's not as much used (laughs) now. I don't even know if it's still there, but at the time people were into filling that out. And I had listed web design as one of my interests. And during this summer, after I'd you know, already graduated from high school, but hadn't quite started college yet, I got a Facebook message from a Harvard senior at the time who reached out with this opportunity to join her magazine, uh, print magazine, and turn it into an online publication. And she wanted to invite me on as part of the executive board and to spearhead that transition. And she had found me in the Harvard Network doing that search. Yeah. And just like It's a big leap for a freshman. Yes, I know. So basically, I was like, of course, I want to do this. And I signed up right away. And it was through that experience, which is, like you mentioned, um, Freeze was the name of that publication, that I met Stephanie and Windsor, who were to become my Her Campus co-founders. So we, you know, the three of us were, took over leadership of the magazine and transitioned it from being a print magazine, reaching, you know, just honestly, a small group of the Harvard community. You, you, You can only kind of reach so many people through print and, you know, it's much more resource constrained and we transitioned it online and started just seeing, you know, readers flock in from everywhere, not just at Harvard, not just Harvard college women, but college students around the world, uh, really. Um, And we just realized that we had hit on something really big and that there was this need for media that was both created by college women, so written by students themselves, but also speaking directly to college students. At the time, there weren't too many publications in the space. A lot of them were traditional print magazines, definitely not too much going on digitally at the time. So 
we saw like this need that we were filling and that it was much bigger than just this student club at Harvard, right? That there were students all over that were looking for something like this. So that gave us the idea to create something uh, that would serve college women everywhere and give um, students the chance to find their own voice and build community and create their own publication on campus wherever they were. And so that was the initial spark for her campus. And we entered and ended up being one of the winners of the undergraduate business plan competition at Harvard with our idea for her campus, which would have, you know, content speaking to college women by college women and with these campus chapters at universities all around the world. So that was our idea. And we ended up working on it all that summer. So this was the summer of 2009. Um, we lived together in this tiny little apartment in New York City. We all had our own daytime internships and things going on, but we were kind of working on our idea for her campus during the evenings and weekends, and then ended up launching it in September uh, 16th of 2009. And that was my uh, junior year, my co-founder's senior year of college. and. Yeah, we made it a reality. We launched it first to our own community that we knew and then started scaling out beyond then. So uh, it has now been more than 10 years since that point, which is amazing to think back on. And yeah, it's been an amazing, amazing journey. And I'm yeah so, so happy to sort of have been in the right place at the right time. But also, you know, a lot of what I think about is how... Um, I had been pursuing my own passions and sort of interests with web design prior to that, that put me in the right place at the right time to make this happen, to meet my future co-founders and to ultimately launch this company. So it's a, it's a cool journey looking back on it. And mm-hmm. I'm so happy the way it's, it's played out. Yeah. So with regards to putting yourself in the right place at the right time, I know you touched on this with saying that explore your interests and things like that but Mm -hmm. a lot of students in college especially will take this as the first time that they make a big leap towards a a big personal venture what would you uh, advise students to do prior you know you don't walk in to college with a great idea and Mm -hmm. what would you advise students how would they to approach their college education so that they can Mm -hmm. be ready for those ideas when they come for them instead of just trying to force something that doesn't work if that makes sense yeah That's a great question. I think, you know, you talked about coming into the college experience, and I think that's a helpful way to start thinking about it, too, because college and and the college experience is so much more than just like the college itself and the classes and the Mm -hmm. academics. Right. They talk a lot about the network and like your classmates and things like that when you're thinking about what college to go to and the environment, even the city that it's in. And I think all of these are really important factors because you know, the fact is that college is more of a time in your life. And it's it's this holistic experience that you have. And I think it's a really good time to be thinking creatively, to be pursuing, you know, other activities, extracurriculars, or your own personal hobbies, interests, you know, maybe business ideas. Um, during that time period, uh, you're never going to be in another time when you are so surrounded by like purpose driven people, ambitious people around you, resources, right? Universities now providing mm-hmm. even more resources for entrepreneurship than when I was in college, as well as like 
literally just the time to do it. And it feels like you don't have any time in college, but the the reality is you have more time than you will ever have. Like once you're in a full-time job somewhere, it's a lot harder to make that transition to, you know, maybe starting a side hustle or something like that and transitioning into your own startup. So the reality is during college, your mind is in the right place. Like you said, you know, soaking up creativity, inspiration, things like that. You're surrounded by people who are, again, you know, your colleagues, potential customers, peers, mentors, potential co-founders as well. So there's never been a better time to do something than when you're in college. The other nice thing that I always say is that, you know, for us, like we were able, we were fortunate that we could explore launching her campus while we were college students, because you know what, the worst that could happen is that it doesn't take off and we're still mm. college students. Like we can still pursue that normal, more traditional path. So the fact is you don't always have like a nice plan B like that fallback option. So I always mm. like to say college is a great time to explore and to, to make things and to try new ideas. Mm-hmm. Right. Especially, I always say this on my tours, like when you walk onto USC campus, at least like you can feel the ambition in the air. Everyone Mm -hmm. is kind of hustling. Everyone is just really just pushing themselves. But you know, if there's any time to do it, it is during college. Like when you have all this, these resources and all this money being put towards your education, like why wouldn't you do everything that you possibly can? But that being said, as college students, you're very young. And did you find that it was hard to be taken seriously at times, especially when pursuing something so professional and even being taken seriously by anyone in your circle and you receiving any sort of I guess validation mm. yeah yeah I think that's really real like that's real um I definitely I think in the beginning there were friends of mine and just people in general who didn't really understand what I was doing and you know when I did so I ended up making the decision to take time off from college to pursue her mm-hmm. campus working full time since like i mentioned my co-founders were a year older than me so i ended up taking an extended leave of absence and that's how you know you and i got to meet each other was because years after that right mm-hmm. i was supposed to graduate in the class of 2011 but i took off like many years and then ended up finishing my degree through the summer program that you mentioned which i'm very fortunate to have had access to. Mm -hmm. So I ended up getting my degree in 2017, which is six years before my or after my original graduation date. But anyway, all that to say, when I did decide to take that leave of absence, you know, that wasn't a very traditional thing to do. And so I definitely think there were people who didn't really understand Mm -hmm. what I was going through. And even if they weren't like explicitly not supporting me, there is for sure a sense of like, loneliness and just just like kind of being on your own right when you do something that's different like people just can't relate and so I would be dealing with the realities of running my business and the different things going on there and the pressures of that and my other friends maybe just dealing with of course pressures as well but like class or exams and things like that and we're just not on the we're not in the same life stage anymore at that point to be honest so there's a little bit of that, like you're on your own to some extent. And I think that is a reality that is the case when you, anytime anyone does something kind of different and pioneers a new path. So in those circumstances, it's been really helpful to have my co-founders. I definitely would never be able to do this on my own without 
their support, mentors, family and friends, because it is, you know, it is an, a little bit isolating and sometimes just the nature of doing something that, you know, 99% of your peers aren't doing. I can definitely resonate with that just with the past couple of weeks and months with doing this. I've obviously had friends who have been on board with my idea for the podcast and College Confrontational. But at the end of the day, everyone in college kind of has their own ideas. And everyone, we have, there's this running joke that these people in the business school will always just talk to you about their next like <laughs> startup idea. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of just like, it's not taken super seriously. And I had one friend who even said, like the day I posted, she was like, oh, I really didn't think you had it in you. And, I, mm-hmm. and you know, it was just all talk. Yeah, it's a very lonely experience because you, it's kind of hard to get help. Um, especially when you, unless you have the co-founders, of course, because everyone else has their own path and their own goals that they want to pursue. So they can, they can only support you so much. So with that, what would you, what do you look for in building a team going forward with bringing people into this venture and expanding because you've been doing it just a trio for so long? Mm -hmm. Well, I guess I'll start with talking about the founding team. I think the founding team is super important. And it's, you know, a lot of people talk about finding co-founders and the importance of that. And what I'll say is that I think, you know, Stephanie and Windsor and I were super lucky to have met each other because so we weren't like friends before we met each other through this publication that we worked on. But it was through working together that we recognized, hey, we have like something here. We're a winning team together. And I think some of what makes Mm -hmm. us successful as a trio first and foremost, is that we're different. You know, a lot of times it may be tempting to reach out to somebody who thinks like you, who validates your ideas and is basically like, like, just really like you, right? To to reach out to them to be your mm-hmm. co-founder, because that's kind of like the natural thing to do is like, hey, I think this person would be like really right. interested in this, like, they should be my co-founder. But that's not necessarily the case, because what people often run into and what can be difficult for startups is when the co-founders are too um, similar in their experiences, their interests. And then it gets to a point where either there's a diffusion of responsibility because you're not sure who's taking point or you're just stepping on each other's toes and like, it's just not adding much to the business and it might even invite more conflict. So I think it's been really helpful that the three of us have different backgrounds, areas of skill and interest so that we can complement each other. And it's pretty cut and dry. Like whenever there's something to Mm -hmm. be done, like who's taking point on it and we trust each other, like implicitly to do our parts of our job, because you really need to rely on other people. You can't do it all yourself, nor should you, because you're not an expert in everything. So really helps to have the expertise and the interests and passions dispersed a little bit among your founding team. So that's the first thing I would Mm -hmm. say is just getting the founders right. Beyond that, hiring is absolutely one of the most important things that any business owner does. And even if it's not a business, you know, just in, in terms of expanding your team, I think that it's something we definitely haven't always gotten right. But you should, I would say, do whatever you can to figure out exactly what you're looking for to make the right hire, because there's nothing more expensive to the business than making a bad hire and having that not work out and all the repercussions that come from that, as well as the wasted time and energy and all of that. So, you know, being very 
selective and also being uncompromising, I think, has been the biggest thing for us. There have definitely been moments where, you know, man, the hiring process has just taken so long. We just want to like get someone in the door. And, you know, I had a little bit of a doubt about this or that, but you know what? It's probably okay. Like, let's just hire this person. And then it doesn't end up working out, you know, a couple months from then. It's much more damaging for that to play out than to just simply take a little bit more time to find the right person. So I would say hire, they always say hire slowly. And I think that's very true. So take your time, make sure it's the absolute right person, get a couple people to weigh in on that, run a standard process. That's something that our teams have been doing to be a little bit more, you know, intentional and equitable in our hiring is to make sure that we have like really tight processes that are the same per candidate, right? It can be easy to sort of do different things, invite people into the pipeline in different ways, and that's fine. But I think once they're in there, you know, it's important to kind of treat each candidate fairly and to give them the same opportunities to demonstrate themselves as a candidate. So yeah, different little things that we've learned over the years to make sure that we're doing the best job to find the best talent and doing it, uh, doing it right by them as well. Right. And speaking of learning over the years and going into this with little to no business experience, what would you say was your biggest learning moment and then your biggest milestone? Mm, yeah, let's see. Biggest learning moment. I think that one of the things that I've had to learn is that it's not always the best idea to just continue expanding what the company does and like chasing every shiny new thing. So of course I I embrace innovation and you know we've had to innovate and pivot a lot this last year and that's great and that's res- that's definitely mm-hmm. responsible for our success but I guess I mean more like it can be really easy to just like you know have a new idea somebody bring something to the table and then immediately kind of put a lot of effort behind it um for us in the beginning it would be like if we added a wanted to add a new section to the site or something and just like go do it without too much thought and what ends up happening is just that it's just such a drain on resources on people's energies and time and it takes away from the core parts of your business that are probably doing really well so i always like to um recommend that you really stick to your core product and your MVP is what a lot of people call it, your minimum viable product, and really focus in on that and perfect that before adding too much more to the plate. Because that's how you really burn out the team, waste resources, and potentially just like not add a ton of value. Even if it seems fun and innovative and the right thing to do, it might not be. So I always caution on getting your your secret sauce kind of right and more investment into your core mm-hmm. product is always a good idea and then innovate when it's when it makes sense and when it's smart but not every single time like not every single thing needs to be acted on in terms of milestones um i have to, you know there's obviously been a lot of highlights but one thing that just came to mind as i was thinking about that is when we moved into our first office like that was just ours so we definitely have a very a scrappy startup-y mindset even now, like more than 10 years into the business. It's, again, I think one of the things that's key to our success. 
But when we did, finally, it was time to move into our own office, which is two years ago, we, up to that point, we'd always had shared offices or, you know, offices that were part of like a business plan competition, like accelerator grant money type thing, where we were sharing co-working space with a lot of people. But when we got our first office that was just us that we actually built out and really customized on our own two years ago, I think was a big milestone for me. We got to do things. We actually worked with like a construction company to actually build out our phone rooms and like conference rooms, offices. Mm-hmm. We picked like literally things like the doors and signage and gave all the rooms fun college themed names like the quad and the dorm and the library and things like that. Mm-hmm. It was I think a really big moment for us. It was an office we could really be proud of and call our own and be the home for all of our employees. And that to me was a really special moment. And yeah, I obviously we've been remote from that office now for a while, but I am really looking forward to going back to it. Yeah, hopefully we'll be back soon with the the vaccine (laughs) coming soon and around May, hopefully. So you mentioned focusing on your MVP and just honing your product, making sure it's great. Uh, what about the things that might not be so fun, like the financial aspects, the legal aspects, things that are very hard to navigate uh, early on in the process and sort of taking that on as well? Yeah, I have to thank my co-founder, Stephanie, for doing a lot of the heavy lifting here. One of those things, like I said, we like divide and conquer and she's done a great job leading from like a business operations strategy and legal perspective. So again, like I said earlier, I think there were a lot of great resources that became available to us through the university um, and through the, there was also a business plan. The business plan competition that I mentioned also offered some resources in that realm, like some free legal um, counseling and things like that. So I think we were able to benefit a lot um, from that and get things set up. Of course, over the years, we've realized like, hey, we still have a lot of legal exposure in various ways that we didn't know about before, because you're always learning, right? We're not legal experts either. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's just been important over the years to continue to professionalize everything. And um, so we've, you know, since uh, retained different lawyers and um, firms to help advise on different things. And I would say that's been really important too. So do what you can in the beginning, um, get by with help that is available to you. Um, And then I would say uh, it's definitely not something you want to skimp on. So we have carved out budget for this uh, because there's always something that you can have um, that you'll need counsel on from a legal perspective. Right. Um, I wanted to touch a little bit more on the idea of when you when you decided to leave school and taking mm-hmm. that leave that leave of absence to focus on her campus which is a college centered site so and it's a very unconventional path to leave school what are your your thoughts on some of the sometimes when i hear people say oh you don't need a college education you can be successful without a college education and they always cite people like bill gates and steve jobs what are your what are your thoughts on that? Because you obviously decided to come back to school. So what made mm-hmm. you decide to come back and finish that degree out, even though you know you already had something building with her campus? Yeah, good question. I don't think that it's fair to make 
these overarching generalizations like, oh, no one needs to go to college, like, or rather like anyone could get away with not going to college and starting something. I think it's a very case by case thing. And, you know, for us, we were really fortunate that we had that whole year of running it while we were students before we then decided to do this sort of as our real jobs. And then I had a year of data right before I then took mm-hmm. my leave of absence. So it's it's very different from like going into that, having nothing under my belt, totally different situation. So mm-hmm. I do think that, you know, I want to make sure people don't hear from this. I'm telling you that you can just go mm-hmm. and, you know, take a leave of absence right. and just work on something. Because mm-hmm. the fact is I had a lot of like built up success by that point in that first year, we we did mm-hmm. gain a lot of traction among students as well as in the press. And so that gave me more confidence to take that leave of absence. So yeah, I don't think you can generalize it, but I will say that I think there's a lot, like I said earlier, that is to be gained outside of like the traditional college academic setting. So mm-hmm. that is certainly something that I encourage people to explore. Uh, It doesn't mean that you just do that and not college, but maybe it gets to a point for me, it was just that I couldn't balance it all. Like I literally just didn't have enough time to do schoolwork Mm -hmm. and, you know, clubs and also her campus at the same time. So naturally something had to give, but I initially did try to do it. Mm -hmm. So I tried to balance both and I got two weeks into my senior semester and I was like, this is not happening. So (laughs) then I made the switch. So I guess, but then, yeah, I did end up coming back. I did come back because, you know, what honestly precipitated it was that I was leaving, I was moving out of Boston and I knew that, you know, who knows if I would come back to Boston in the future. So I wanted to, while I was still there, just finish out my degree. Why not? And Mm -hmm. it was something I'm really grateful to my parents for their support in allowing me basically to take my leave of absence when I did, (laughs) but it was important to them. And then also to me too, to just finish my degree. There wasn't really a downside to it. And I wanted to be able to say that I was a graduate anyway. So I think it was more a personal decision and thankfully it wasn't too bad. Mm. Like I just got in touch with my school and talked to my Dean and like, you know, figured out that I had one year left on paper, but actually I could activate some, you know, college credits. Like it sounds like you did the same to waive some of my requirements. So I ended up only having four classes left to take, Mm -hmm. which I then did over two consecutive years in summer school. So I was really lucky to be able to do that. At the end of the day, it was my personal decision and I'm glad I did it. So now I I got to kind of have my cake and eat it too. (laughs) I could say that I was a Harvard dropout for a while, but then I ended up getting my degree anyway. (laughs) Yeah, I agree that these overarching statements are so, they're too broad. And just when people knock just a college education or saying like, you're paying all this money for what? And it's kind of like, like what you said, you got all these resources and these connections to build onto something better. And it's not necessarily getting into that interview room with that job and your degree. It's more so the resources, the connections, the network. Um, particularly like for me in, in film school, people were like, why are you going to film school? Like you, why do you need a degree to make movies? And I'm like, well, I don't know anyone in the creative world and I don't know anyone in LA. So I, mm-hmm. I was very fortunate with a scholarship, so why not take it? Um, but at the same time, you know, college is not for everyone and doesn't, it doesn't work for everyone, but yeah, I always get so 
I just get irked when people do that because I'm just like, it opens so many doors, especially when you're not a privileged white man. Like that, you a lot of doors you have to, I think you have to fight more to get open. But I wanted to, I was wondering at what point, because we talked a lot about receiving, like having people doubt you and try to forge your own path and all of that. Was there any point where you thought, wow, I'm way in over my head. I can just, I should just jump ship now. Ooh, hmm. It's funny because I feel like your memory gets blurred over these years. Like I sound like such an old person saying that, but like, really, I feel like I'm so focused on the now that, um, Mm -hmm. you know, looking back there, have of course been so many moments where I've been like, oh my God, this is the worst day ever. How are we going to recover from this? Um, I think that honestly, like, completely honestly my best advice is just to sleep on it like truly I think Mm -hmm. we all need to give ourselves just the space to like just recognize that it's not the end of the world like whatever you're facing go to sleep get some sleep and you will automatically feel better the next day and that's always worked for me without fail but there's definitely been moments where I've been really upset and and feeling like I failed or I'm so you know disappointed that I was so misunderstood or whatnot and like kind of similar to what I said about sleeping on it I think another thing is just you know sometimes with these high pressure situations there's like a lot of like pressure to act in the moment and do something right away but I've always found that I'm better after I think on it a little bit more, um, maybe don't reach out with the feedback right away or try to fix whatever it was right away. Maybe get some other opinions before acting on it. And that's always served mm-hmm. me well. So I think it's just, these are some of the kind of lessons that I've learned about myself um, over the years, because you know what, at the end of the day, you face a lot of conflicts, you face a lot of setbacks, and it's more about how you like, react to them and maybe move on from them afterwards that can make all the difference right it's it's like the Mm -hmm. difference between it going over really well and not and so I've always found that just taking a breath and thinking on it personally to for my own mental health but also just to make sure that I'm not overreacting or say say something that I don't mean later so just taking extra time and really being careful with your thoughts and your your words What's the best way to get feedback or seek it out? You know what? You can simply, I've always found that like literally just using the word, like, am I off base here? Um, Or Mm -hmm. I would love your thoughts on this. This is what I'm thinking, but can you gut check that for me has been really helpful. And I, I do that a lot actually with my direct reports that some of them have been with me for a long time and it's, and I can be honest with them in these instances and say like, Hey, I might be your manager, but you know what, you know, just as much as I do about this situation. Um, and, uh, I would love your opinion on it. And I, they, you know, my, Mm -hmm. um, people that I work with are super smart, so committed, and they've been a really great help for me in just like helping me work through setbacks as well. And, just like thinking about it from another perspective, right? Because sometimes when we look at it through our own Mm -hmm. eyes, it can really make you spiral sometimes because you just get into this like thought pattern and 
you need somebody else to sort of jolt you out of that and provide some encouragement or maybe say like, actually, I think, you know, it isn't as bad as you think, like there's X, Y, and Z to think about, or Mm -hmm. I think this is a way to approach it. So it's always helpful to bring some additional perspective into, into the fold when it is a tough situation that you're facing. Right. And on on the flip side, when you receive maybe critiques that, Mm I don't know how best to put this. How would you say, like, is the best way to advocate for yourself? You know, you're fighting for, like, your baby. Like, you made this, you built this. And when people, when the haters come in and they try to say things or talk down to you, um, are there any ways that you learn to to speak up for yourself and, and your brand and business? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it always helps to remember the mission and why you're doing what you're doing. So I think in those moments, I just look at like the impact that her campus is making for our community and for our audience. And that gives me more than enough reason to keep going and to do what it is that we're doing because we are serving these women, these college students with resources and community and content that they're not getting anywhere else. In many cases, we are a career launching platform for our student journalists and contributors, and we're giving them that invaluable experience and the writing clips and just the practical life experience that they need to land those dream jobs. And we get like, we get emails and DMs and, you know, letters in the mail sometimes too from our community that is giving us this feedback and reinforcing like, yes, what we're doing has purpose in this world. It is needed in this world. It's doing its job and we got to keep going. So it's always helpful to center Mm -hmm. yourself back onto your mission because that can sometimes get lost, right? In the day-to-day, you're just going through the motions, you're doing your tasks, you forget why it is you did this in the first place. So you were saying that, you know, in the beginning, you're doing this to amplify some of the voices that don't necessarily speak up that often. So just thinking about that and thinking like, wow, that's really the mission that I have here. No one else is doing this or not that you're aware of. And like centering yourself on that, I think mm-hmm. gives you that that little hit of motivation and purpose that you need to get through a funk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like that. That's really helpful. And you and her campus does so much to elevate young women and their voices. And it's so centered around college. And you went to college at two different uh, points over the course of 10 years, what would you say is like the biggest, most pressing issue that young women face in college today or in general? Ooh, that's a great question. Well, obviously we are still dealing with the gender pay gap and just the glass ceiling and things like this that are starting to shatter, which is awesome because of role models and barrier breakers, but it's Mm -hmm. still there even after all this time. Obviously, there's been great progress, like the Me Too movement has been amazing in that, you know, uncovering stories that need to be told, allowing people to feel supported in a way they weren't supported and just solidarity and calling out Mm -hmm. like issues that have been prevalent and have been hampering our success as women. So I think that there's been a lot of movement and momentum recently in recent years that is great to see. There's still obviously a lot of progress to be made. I guess, like, as a side note to that, though, I think that personally, as I've been engaging in a lot of sort of the social justice movement that's going on right now, mm-hmm. like more sort of prominent than ever before in the, in previous years, one thing that I've 
realize is that, and in speaking with a lot of my friends, I think they feel the same way that you're kind of torn between like doing and speaking up and advocating and like making change and all of this. And also at the same time, taking care of yourself, because often Mm -hmm. it's a really exhausting work to do this. And I think that's not highlighted enough. Sometimes there's like the pressure to be part of that movement and to speak up and show Mm -hmm. up and, and, um, you know, it almost begets this performative aspect of, uh, of doing this work. And then at the same time, you're running on empty because you have a lot going on in your life too. So I think that honestly, like a barrier is not only those structures that exist that we are working on dismantling, but it's also, is any of that happening at the expense of your own mental health and your own just like sense of well-being? Um, Because doing that work is really hard. So I think it's been definitely a push and pull of like, how can I be the most effective? And sometimes you need to rest in order to be the most effective in whatever thing you're working Mm -hmm. on and tackling and whatever problem you're trying to solve. Um, Because if you're, if you're like wound up really tight, if you're not rested, if you're not like centered to yourself, I think it, it, it affects the way that you engage with these other issues and it affects the way that you're able to be effective. So uh, that sounded really weird, but you know what I mean? Like it affects how well you're able to actually carry out your mission and your purpose. So I think that's honestly Mm -hmm. a, a issue too, is just making sure that we're balancing those, you know, doing the work, but also taking care of yourself. Mm -hmm. So you're not exhausted and, you know, unable to, to do your part at the end of the day. That is so insightful because yeah, I, I mean, one of so one of my majors is law, history, and culture, and so my entire curriculum is based around learning about how messed up our world is, and I want to fix it constantly. <laughs> and you know, with all this stuff over the summer, there is all this pressure to you want to show up, you want to be the best that you can. But then mm-hmm. when it starts to take a toll on your mental health, you kind of have to take a step back and start thinking like, how much of this is performative and doing it so people know yep. that I'm doing it? Because you're yep. oh, if I take a step back, people are going to think that I'm you know, just like becoming complacent mm-hmm. when really like you, you need to take care of yourself because then it's really performative to do it despite fe- like when you're feeling horrible and terrible and yeah, totally. learn that lesson the hard way. Um, yeah. So as we come to a close, I really, that I, mind blown. Um, and so <laughs> as we're kind of wrapping this up, uh, I want to give you kind of the space to talk of a little bit more about, you know, her campus, where it's going what your plans are moving forward. I know you guys have acquired some extra companies. Yeah. So you're becoming really big, not just an online magazine, but a media company. So what are your, your plans with that? Yeah, thank you. Um, it's funny you say that. We did go on, we did acquire some companies um, two years ago now at this point in 2019. And so, yeah, for a while we were just hercampus.com, which is the number one destination for college and Gen Z women. Um, Like I said, there are chapters all around the world, really, at 400 plus colleges and universities where students are creating content about their community and sharing that with the world. Um, And that's really where we started. Yes, perfect. College Faculus (laughs) is like one of our biggest articles of all time. Um, A great resource (laughs) for you as you're packing for uh, back to college and such. But two years ago, we did expand our portfolio. So we weren't just hercampus.com anymore, but we acquired Spoon University, which is um, 
we kind of like to think of it like internally as her campus, but for food, right? So it's all mm-hmm. things around food, dining hall, sort of tips, uh, recipes, restaurant reviews, like anything that you'd like to know about food and eating and drinks, like desserts, everything, like all food all the time. Mm -hmm. My number Um, one tip, get an air fryer. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, I have one too. I love it. Um, And then College Fashionista, which is a destination for style and beauty focused content, as well as a really, really great community, which is social first and full of people who are interested in the fashion and beauty kind of industries and getting uh, their career started there. So that is that was our other acquisition back then. And we also have had our Influence Her Collective, which is a network of influencers, content creators who are also partnering with us on some of our biggest campaigns, but also receive a lot of great community and education and resources from us. And then our last property, which we just launched really recently is called Generation Hired. And this is, we like to think of it as like the modern career center, because who really uses their college career center? I know that I didn't use it so much. Yeah, I um, didn't. <laughs> yeah. Oops. And there's just so much that can be like modernized with the career center. So generationhired.com, you can sign up there to get some get targeted job opportunities from top companies. We have a huge library of video resources, past events that we've done on topics like how to prep for virtual interviews and how to network from a distance, how to, you know, follow up after interviews. So everything around landing your career, your dream job. And we also offer that as companies as a way to recruit from our community and our pool of qualified and diverse talent, right? So a big part of Gen Hired is uplifting our community, which is very diverse and helping companies diversify their workforces. So really, really important piece of what we do. And we just launched it a couple months ago. So I would love anyone to sign up for that. It's great for current students or recent grads looking for their first internship or job. And yeah, that's been a big focus of mine. And a lot of what I'm focusing on next here is continuing to build out Gen Hired and as well as all of our other properties. We actually have a uh, hercampus.com site redesign coming up soon, which we I haven't actually talked about publicly yet. So uh, you heard it here first. <laughs> but yeah, lots of lots of exciting things ahead. And yeah, so follow her campus, Spoon CF Influencer Collective, as well as Jen Hired to get all the updates. Yeah. Okay. And I'll definitely leave those links wherever I whenever I post this on the on the site. So yeah, thank you so much for speaking with me, taking the time out of your day. I really appreciate it. And you shared so many insightful things that I can take away. Hope other people listening can take uh, with them further into their college journey and for prospective students preparing to enter college. So thank you very much. Thank you, Gabriella. It's a pleasure.